This is the Life Truth Network. Quest for Our Truth, Episode 411. Podcast Network. HPN, in conjunction with Protectors of the Book, presents Quest for Truth. Now located at life-truth.com. Seeking the truth about God, faith, and the Bible. Life Truth, comparing worldviews in a casual setting. Digging deep into the Bible and its challenges. Here are your podcast host deputies, Keith Heltsley and Nathan Caldwell. All right, everybody, this is your host, Keith, and it is time for Quest for Truth. Hey, today's episode started out with a desire to have a sit-down discussion with our co-host, Nathan Caldwell. And as you know, uh, sometimes, you know, we say that Lord willing and the creeks don't rise, and when they do rise, <laughs> we find a way to do that. Uh, in this case, uh, I uh, sent uh, some questions to Nathan Caldwell to see just independently how he would respond, and then I do the same. And uh, we will uh, listen to the results of that and uh, what do you call it, conversation or dialogue uh, that we're about to have. Uh, the questions come I mean, right from the internet, various sources, various websites, they're real questions that people are really asking out there. I'm sure maybe once you hear them, you'll you'll recognize them. And may, maybe you have some you've heard, and maybe you would like to have some response to that we could sure get our, our best shot at providing an answer, or at least uh, give you some direction on how to develop your own answer. Uh, of course, the best way is to uh, get it right from Scripture, because if you base your standard on Scripture, then you're always uh, on on the right page with God. You uh, you have the correct standard to, to uh, discern and, and, and judge by. It's not just you saying it. Uh, anyway, with all of that, uh, there were, is a total of four questions. Uh, our responses, uh, I have to say, did go a bit long. We'll just do two today, and we'll get back to our two at a, at a later uh, uh, session. But um, with all that, to, to kind of continue to keep things as short as possible, hey, let's uh, listen to a few folks here located at ChristianPodcastCommunity.com. Or there's a growing number of podcasters. There's, I know, well over 50. Uh, they're, they're always adding folks. There's a lot of good uh, theological uh, topics, a lot of theological discussion, uh, everyday life issues, homeschooling issues. Uh, just, uh, there's something for everyone out there, something that uh, styles from the common everyday Christian, whether you be a, uh, a stay-at-home mom or a, a pastor at a church. There's something for everybody and everything in between. So with all that, hey, listen to these voices you're about ready to hear right now. 
Hi, this is Jonathan coming to you from my walk-in closet in the small town of Mannheim, Pennsylvania. Welcome to Small Town Theologian, a show devoted to digging into the Heidelberg Catechism and Ecumenical Creeds, not just to better understand foundational truths, but to seek to apply them to the rhythm of everyday life. May your life be shaped by what you learn. I'd love for the show to reach more people. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, would you please rate the show? Also, share the podcast with a friend. Thanks for supporting the show. Did you know that Striving for Trinity provides speakers and seminars that we would come to your church and disciple your people? We have seminars on the Bible interpretation made easy, creation science, evangelism, presuppositional apologetics, even on sexual abuse. These are just some of the many things that we could provide for your church. Consider inviting one of our speakers to your church. You can contact us at speaker at strivingforeternity.org. Welcome to the Truth Be Known podcast, bringing you the objective truth boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Truth Be Known podcast. I'm Nathaniel Jolly. And I am Eki Tepsapornchai. Well, guys, we have a – we appreciate your time. Uh, We appreciate our listeners. And until next time, let the truth be known. The Truth Be Known podcast is a theologically driven, gospel-centered program serving the body of Christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today. Subscribe to the Truth Be Known podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device or listen online at strivingforeternity.org in the podcast section. a few questions here today uh wanted nathan call to answer and i just something different i'll have the retrobots uh retrobot david will be uh, asking the questions maybe posing a couple of supports so here we go let, let nathan handle this first and i'll jump back here in a moment ready for some questions okay if jesus didn't come to judge why do you christians do it Matthew 7, people use a lot of times, and it's, uh, they, they say, judge not, but they don't finish the passage. They just use that little bitty part of it. Yeah, but Christians should not condemn others, but rather love others. Jesus did not say not to judge in context of the passage. Jesus wasn't saying don't judge. He was saying don't judge hypocritically. And this is not my words, or at least not all of them. Uh, it's not an original uh, thought. I, I've listened to people. uh listened to uh, my pastor, for one, Larry Campbell. I listened to uh, Greg Kokel. I listened to uh, Frank Turek. I mean, these are people I listen to that, you know, they help keep people grounded. But Jesus, if you read Matthew chapter 7, Jesus wasn't saying don't judge. He was saying don't judge 
somebody with this sin when you've got the same one. And by judge, I'm not talking about condemning somebody to hell. I don't have that authority. But the Bible does talk about making righteous judgments. Making righteous judgments. And you judge all the time, as a matter of fact. When someone tells you, don't judge, or don't judge me, they're judging you for judging them. It's true. They're doing it. They don't realize they're doing it, but they're doing it. Because a judgment has to be made every day. You have to judge people. A guy knocks on your door in the middle of the night, dressed as a cat burglar. And wants to use your restroom. You don't let him in, do you? Now, I realize that is a very hyperbolic and, and hypothetical type of situation. But the point is, we do have to make decisions every day, and some of them, many of them involve how to deal with other people. When Jesus said, I don't come to judge, or I haven't come to condemn. He says in John 3, the Son of Man has not come to condemn, but to save. I'm paraphrasing. It's true that at that time, he was not there to judge. He was not even there at that time to condemn. He was there to save. Okay then, I'm sticking by my statement. Christ did not condemn others, neither should we. But it does not say that there won't be a later time when he will sit on the great white throne and judge. Because I'm telling you, that he will do. And I hope that there's not a lot of voices in the back. You know, uh, I'm hoping my headset is, is kicking those out. All right, to review the question. If Jesus didn't come to judge, why do you Christians do it? Uh, now... Sometimes what people mean by this is uh, that Christians should do nothing but love each other. I mean, we are commanded, you know, love one another. But if you read that in context, it's talking about your fellow Christians. Uh, we should love one another in the body of Christ uh, primarily and foremost. It doesn't mean that we can't love and we shouldn't love other people because we are commanded uh, uh, more than I think it's in Corinthians maybe it's Romans uh, to love our enemies pray for those who persecute you yeah it's in Romans I think it's in what's the 13 might be 12 it's in there somewhere <laughs> we, we actually studied that before uh, but we should love uh, our enemies pray for those who persecute us so there's some correctness there 
But the thing is, it doesn't mean you have to accept every sin. In fact, we shouldn't accept any sin. You know why? Because God doesn't accept any sin. And that includes amongst ourselves. Uh, we, the, what, the, what applies to condemning other individuals, you know, the, kind of a, touching back on the original question, why do Christians judge? I think the person who would be asking this is missing an important point. Yeah, sure, Christians judge, but so do non-Christians. So if Christians are people, and and everyone to some point has to judge, because there's always some level of discernment, uh, everyone judges. And the important thing is, what standard do we judge? It says Christ did not condemn others. So why should we? Well, I think what you're referring to, of course, Matthew uh, 7, uh, 1, I actually should read 1 and 2, and I actually go all the way through, I think, about 12, and you'll get a really full picture of what Jesus is talking about there. Nathan, I think, hit it well by saying it, but it's it's not saying we shouldn't judge. Jesus is describing how we should judge. Uh, we shouldn't judge on our own scale. You know, if you have a, a beam in your eye or a, a, a sty in your eye, I think King James calls it. Uh, if you are, if you have the same problem, you you don't you have no room to judge. But for for one thing, especially if I don't have the problem of the sin that I'm judging, by all means, you absolutely should judge. And by and by judging, I mean pointing out to assist a fallen brother, even if they're not if they're a lost brother, to point out in, in the hopes that you might uh, gain them out of that condemnation. Because it's not me; I have no authority to condemn. You're absolutely right there. Uh, I don't have that authority, but you know who does? Jesus does. No, wait a minute. What, what about Jesus? He came not to condemn. Uh, well, let's look at John three seventeen in particular, but it, it, to take it in a more full context, let's see if I can jump over here real quick. In the good old King James Version, um, in verse, let's back up to 15. It says, so whoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. He who believeth, there's an eth, it means there's s. who believes. It's not belief. It's not believe. It's believes. Whoever believes an ongoing, everyday, active belief will have eternal life. Uh, in verse 16, it expounds, God has loved the world in this way, is how it should actually, is a more accurate uh, rendition, for in this way, uh, God loved the world. And that word love is, again, an active, ongoing verb. Loving, God is loving the world in this way. Well, what did God do for this world? Well, he sent his son, his only begotten son, to have those who believe not perish, to have those who believe have eternal life. So let's see what was the condition before God sent Jesus to save the world. What was the condition before there was Jesus? Um, Condemnation. Let's read verse 17. 
God sent not a son into the world to condemn the world, but that world through him might be saved. And this is part of your question. But 18, it goes on to say, he that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believes not on him is condemned already. The world, humanity, was already condemned. The whole world, because of sin, was already judged. So you're right. Jesus did not come to judge the world. He didn't have to come to judge the world. The world was already judged. When I say world, I mean it interchangeably with humanity. I mean it interchangeably with you and me. We are already condemned. It's like we've already hopped out of the airplane without a parachute. We are already condemned unless something intervenes. And you're right. Jesus came to be that salvation, that intervention. And while he was a living, breathing human being on this planet Earth, his entire mission was to seek and save the lost. I think John says that in chapter 12. I, want, I may be mistaken, but it's in there roughly. Uh, maybe it's 10. I, I'm, my, my brain is not working too well right now. On exact references, it's my it's my you know, kryptonite. <laughs> uh, but uh, Jesus did come to seek and save. His while he was a living, breathing person, from the time he was born to the time he was crucified, his mission was to seek and save the lost, not to condemn. Now, since Jesus has been crucified and he has removed the, the sins of the world, where is he at now? You ever thought about that? Well, he's the Bible says he's at the right hand side of God. He's up there in heaven. He is once again reunited with the Trinity, doing whatever he was doing before. Uh, and it's not necessarily saving the world. He he saved the world when he was here. But Jesus is going to come back, and Jesus Himself says, "When I come back, I will come to judge." So you can't make a blanket statement that says, well, Jesus, 100%, all the time, always loving, always saving. Well, that's really not true. And he, he did show up on earth in a human body to seek and save. That was his mission. While he's not here in a human body, his mission is not that. I believe in Revelation, it even says God has given the, his son to condemn people and those who find themselves in heaven because they believe will take part in that uh, condemnation and like an iron uh, against a clay pot uh, is, is the, the word picture that's used in that particular passage I'm trying to think of. Uh, so you can't, you can't make a blanket statement that says Jesus does not judge because he does. He did in the past. He will in the future. And the only time it specifically says that he came to not judge is while he was a living, breathing person on planet Earth. Um, oh, and just a word on the uh, Matthew 7 passage is that um, it does say by the standard that you judge is how you will be judged. Now, if I get upset because my kid did something, I run over there and I whip out the belt and flail him because I'm mad because he spilled my soda all over the dining room table. 
Well, that's maybe a rule that I set, but there, it's not a sin to spill. It's not a sin because maybe he was a little rambunctious and a little bit inattentive. It's not a sin. I mean, to me, being the authoritarian father, may it upset me. Uh, well, but if I, as if that's my standard, well, maybe that's a standard that's going to get used against me. Maybe at the whim of a uh, merciless uh, dictator or overlord, I might just receive that same kind of um, judgment. And so uh, if I see somebody infracting one of uh, the clearly written laws and God's true word that says, oh, look, uh, that guy just uh, broke into a store and stole something. That's a sin. Well, now I have grounds to go over there and deal with that guy. Uh, of course, we do have uh, governmental laws, but there, but you certainly would be within your right to uh, try to prevent that or try to detain that person or try to approach that person or accost that person because they clearly uh, committed a sin. And you know it's a sin because it came from the standard of God's word. I could use other examples, but we have other questions, and those examples will get used as we address those. So what's our next item up to talk about? I'll tell you, but first. How is your flame of truth, Christian? Is it burning bright? Hi, I'm Rebecca Bershwinger, creator and host of One Little Candle, a weekly podcast dedicated to encouraging, empowering, and equipping believers to be the light that God has called us to be so that we may pass down undefiled the truth of God's infallible word to the next generation. So join me and light your own little corner of the world. You can listen to One Little Candle on all major podcast platforms or at christianpodcastcommunity.org. Join us as we take this time to stop and think about it. Hello? Hello, anybody home? I think, McFly, think. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. What were you thinking? I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Didn't say anything now. Just think about it. You're listening to Stop and Think About It. A podcast for the Christian thinker in a day when sound biblical preaching has been replaced by man-centered entertainment and the church has become increasingly anti-intellectual. This podcast will encourage believers to think biblically and theologically. So please join me as we get ready to stop and think about it. Here I am, Phil, the Bronx Expositor, along with my favorite co-host, and only one, Glenroy, the West Indian wordsmith. How you doing, Glenroy? Hello, everybody. We're back. We are back. Greetings, friends and foes, saints and sinners. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Stop and Think About It podcast. Well, thank you for taking this time to stop and think about it. If you would like to contact us, please email us at stopandthinkcrew at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at www.stopandthinkpodcast.com. This podcast is listener-supported by generous people like you. You can give a tax-deductible donation at our affiliate ministry at www.soulfishingministries.org and click on our donate link to give securely through PayPal. Thank you for listening to Stop and Think About It. 
Okay, the second topic. Why are you Christians homo slash transphobic? Um, and I am not going off of the notes. What I'm doing is, is, is going off, and, and this is stuff that, it isn't necessarily new stuff. It's stuff that I've heard from other people. It isn't necessarily mine. Some of it is. Uh, it's stuff that I definitely agree with. But here's the thing is, am I homophobic? Am I transphobic? Am I, am I unreasonably terrified of a homosexual or a transgender person? I am not. I'm also not planning on treating any homosexual person or transgender person with disrespect. Because they are made in the image of God, and they are worthy of respect due to that reason. Just like every other human being on the planet of the here. Which is very redundant. But anyway, that's the way it came out. What I'm also not, though, is I am not at liberty to say that something is right that God said is wrong. Or that something is okay that God said is wrong. I, I can't do that. And I believe firmly and strongly that Scripture is against homosexuality. That Scripture is against someone claiming to be something they're not. The Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Why then do we want to say that we are not supposed to be the gender God made us? Now, I realize sin has come into this world, and I realize that there are birth defects, and, and there are times where weird things happen. But I also realize that if God made you a man, you're a man. If God made you a woman, you're a woman. It's been this way for millennia. Why now? Why now all of a sudden are we trying to change this? There's something going on in the background. And the God of this world, the prince of the power of the air, is really trying to shake things up. I mean, he's been trying to shake things up for a long time. I'm referring to the devil. But I think he's working overtime today. And you look, just look at all the harm that is happening. Look at what they're doing. Now, listen, I'm not talking about something a transgender person is doing to someone else. I'm talking about what they're doing to themselves. If you don't feel comfortable in your own body, that's a horrible thing. But the solution, the solution is not to become someone else. The solution is to realize that God made you the way you are.
is it's it's sad because people will go in and they will they will have a doctor cut them in places that no one ought to be cutting nobody nowhere to create a a fake something that in one sense it may be operable, I don't know, but in another sense it is not. It also does not change your DNA. And I also say this. You can be a man and have unstereotypical feelings. I'm not talking about a man loving a man because I'm I'm not I'm not for that. We've already discussed that. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about uh, a guy maybe that'll watch a chick flick and think it's great. By the way, if you have not seen what a girl wants, <laughs> you need to. But anyway, anyway, anyway. Uh, so a guy that likes a chick flick, someone comes along and says, well, that's gay. Well, first of all, that word is definition has been changed. But anyway, in that in that situation, because that's not what it used to mean. But no, it's not. It's just that he happened to like the movie. One guy may cry a lot. He may cry a lot. That's a sissy. He's a sissy. No, he's not. He just has different emotions than other men do. It doesn't mean he's a girl. It means he's a human being. He's an individual. He is himself. And one more thing. You Christians condemn us, or you Christians hate us. Or you Christians say that this is wrong first. Do I condemn you? No, I do not. Do you know why? Because I don't have that authority or ability. I don't hate you. If you are a homosexual or a transgender or anything else that falls even close to that line. I don't hate you. As a matter of fact, I want the absolute best for you. And whether you agree with me or not, I strongly believe, and the Bible teaches, that what's best for you is Jesus Christ and, and, and repenting of all sin and, and turning to Christ. I mean, you won't be perfect, but you at least, you know, make Christ Lord of your life and, and he forgives you of your sin. And you're a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. If I love you, see, this is the thing. If, if, if people think that 
in order to love somebody, you have to accept what they're doing. And that's not always the truth. If I come by and I see somebody stabbing themselves over and over and over again with a knife, and I walk by and say, I love you, and you just keep stabbing yourself with a knife, and I just walk on by because, you know, I don't say anything because I love you. That's ridiculous. If you're on a bridge and you're about to jump to your death and I walk by and I say, go for it, man. Are you telling me that's loving? If I loved you, I would try to stop you from hurting yourself. If I loved you, I would try to tell you the truth. As a matter of fact, uh, Keith, this may be an idea. Uh, we need to take uh, the love chapter in, in First Corinthians and talk about it for a little bit sometime. Maybe that would help people see what love truly is and, and what it's not. It's a great study. Even just that one chapter, it's a great study. So, no, I don't hate you. Matter of fact, I love you. I just don't love to see you hurt yourself. Next question up to talk about. Why are you Christians homo slash transphobic? And I cut it well with insert issue dash phobic. But those seem to be the two top hot button items. Uh, and... For one thing, um, I'm going to address some arguments here that people use to support this. In part, people will say that the term homosexual is not found in the Bible. It didn't even exist until 1892. Um, some modern translations um, say that the homosexual is not inherit the kingdom of God, but neither the concept or the words uh, uh, appear before the late uh, 1800s. And uh, although the Bible rejects lustful sins, but that's very different from a combination of all gay people. Uh, wow, I think whoever wrote, and I'm actually got this from a website. I, I don't know that I want to. Plus one, two, one, seven, three, four. Remind me, button. And I actually got this from a website. I, I doubt that I linked to it because I don't want to. Uh, and honestly, the arguments here are so weak and lame. Uh, they're making it sound like. They're making it sound like because this word wasn't coined until a little over a hundred years ago that these uh, homo slash trans people never existed until then. And this is, you, you can't say it appears in the Bible. Well, I do have a response to that. You know, King Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun. Even in King Solomon's day, King Solomon, I'm sure Ecclesiastes or any of his writings probably never addressed the topic of homosexuality because it was just so uh, abhorrent. 
uh, in God's sight, that it should never have been an issue. And apparently it wasn't enough for him to talk about it. But we know it existed. Remember those couple episodes back I talked about Sodom. Why do you think that was all about? It was about homosexual relationships. And some of those arguments from this website even addresses that. Uh, but I, I hammered that so much on that episode. It, it's really, it should be not an issue because uh, this particular resource where I'm gleaning this from makes it out to be that uh, it was because of uh, they tried to rape uh, lots of guests. And I made it very clear that city was already condemned before that event. They could have had a little bonfire and marshmallow roast and it still would have been condemned. Uh, it, it's not what they did on that night. It was just an underscoring of just how badly that city needed to be condemned. Uh, so sometimes people will take a scripture or a passage and read into it what they will. Uh, the Bible is full of euphemisms and figures of speech. It talks about, you know, Adam knew his wife. It doesn't mean, oh, there, there you go. I, I see you there, Eve. I recognize you. No, it means that he was intimate in the way that married couples are intimate with each other. It's a euphemism. And whenever Paul especially uses a euphemism uh, that gets translated as homosexual, that's what he's talking about. The word effeminate is how it would often be translated in uh, probably King James and Geneva Bibles. It, that's what that word may, uh, what that word means. It doesn't mean that someone has you know a soft sounding voice or uh, they're awful cute for a dude. No. Uh, it, it means that they take on the effects of a female, which kind of is a description of the homosexual person, is they take on that trait. So just because the word didn't exist didn't mean those people didn't exist. Not an argument. Oh, and besides, uh, these days people are saying, oh, these trans people commit suicide because you're blocking them from getting their meds. Uh, they need to be trans. It's like, but what did all these uh, alleged trans people do 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago? If they always existed, uh, they didn't have meds back then, I guarantee it. Uh, you would think that a lot of them would be committing suicide or there would have been a long pattern of that that's now being alleviated. Not the case. It's actually getting worse because people are confused. Uh, it's... Uh, it's a mental illness. It used to be homosexuality was listed as a mental illness. But, of course, uh, the, the alphabet mafia got on to doctors and made him uh, change the medical dictionaries. So. But uh, besides sexual orientation being a recent development, which is it or is it not? If it's a recent development, then it's a social construct. Uh, it means our society is ill, and it should be reformed because it can be reformed, if that is your argument. Um, no. I've already read that line. Here we go. Uh, doo -doo, here we go. Now, this, this article, it just goes on and on about trying to defend uh, the LGB people 
in scripture. It's just not possible, people. It, every time anything that's related to with a, a man knowing a man or a woman with a woman uh, or even presenting yourself to an animal, these things are all uh, abhorrent. And those kind of people, according to Leviticus, according to writings of John, of, of Paul, they will not be in the kingdom of God. Now, does that mean a homosexual person couldn't be in the kingdom of God? Well, I have a lot of sins, and Jesus covers my sins. I try not to continue that way. I really do. But I still do, well, dumb stuff, because that's what humans do. And if you have that, that struggle in your life, if uh, the Holy Spirit does not remove it from you. Maybe that's a thorn in the flesh God has put before you, but it doesn't mean because you have inclination in your nature that you should do that. If I have an inclination of my nature to be a shoplifter, it doesn't mean I should go around uh, shopping in a busier department store <laughs> or I can get away with stuff. I should avoid those things. If I have a drinking problem, you know, it's not illegal for me to, to go to a bar, but if I have a drinking problem, it's a personal morality problem. Uh, and on a final note with this particular question, because I think a key part of the question is the, the uh, suffix phobic, uh, the add-on uh, to that. And here's what I have to say about phobia. When I was in high school, we had, uh, of course, as you do, you have vocabulary words. You have to, uh, you get the word and the definition, and you, you you arm yourself with, hey, there's this new word. One one day it was phobia, and the teacher says the definition is an irrational fear of something. I mean, there, there is natural fears. If you're looking at the door of an airplane and the ground is 2,000 feet below, that is a rational fear to not want to fall out of that airplane. Uh, if you're uh, walking barefoot across broken glass, that would be a natural, rational fear not to want to have your feet cut to shreds. But an irrational fear would be uh, a feather fell and hit me on the arm, and I'm terrified of birds, so that feather, I just cringe and curl up into a ball. That would be irrational. And just as the transgender dysphoria is a mental issue. It's a, actually a documented mental uh, disease that can be treated and is often successfully treated. A phobia is a legitimate mental illness. So with that understood, you want to say I'm insert your, your pet peeve phobic, transphobic, homophobic, whatever phobic. Ah, so you, that, make, that means you are a, a licensed psychiatrist, a psychologist, uh, a clinician. Oh, you have diagnosed me with a mental illness? Okay, I'll accept that. I'm mentally ill. And now you're going to pick on me and make fun of my mental illness? How dare you? How dare you do that? You are even worse than thinking I'm insert phobic because I, I, I don't call anybody phobic. 
unless they legitimately are, fear of heights, fear of snakes, fear of spiders, all these are legitimate. And they deserve proper respect in medical treatment. So you're making fun of my proper medical recognized illness. How dare you? How dare you make fun of my handicap? You are, that makes you so pathetic. And you think I'm being mean. You're the one who's being mean to me. And honestly, here's a secret. I can give a rip because I'm not phobic of anything. Not irrationally. You, you put me, try to put my hand under the running lawnmower. I might be phobic of that. Yeah. You try to push me off of a cliff. Yeah, I might be phobic of that. But I don't have any irrational fears. None. Zero. The only thing I would be phobic of, of a homo or a trans or any other person is if they come at me with a gun or a knife, then I might worry a little bit. But you have to know it's worry, not fear. Anyway, there's all I got on that question. It's, I think it's a silly question because it, is, it assumes that a Christian is phobic and you are no place to diagnose me as a medical doctor or a clinician. Uh, so and, and when you do, I will gladly sit down and I will, we can talk it out, but I, I, I expect respect over my diagnosed mental disability. So that's where I stand on that. Hello everyone, Daniel Minnick here. I host a podcast called Truth Espresso, and I am inviting you to join in. So what can you expect at Truth Espresso? Well, at Truth Espresso, we wake up our minds every Monday with a robust shot of truth. Let's dig deep in the Word of God as we get to know our God better together. Let's challenge our view of the world as we take apart conventional politics with a fine-toothed comb. See all that Truth Espresso has to offer by going to www.truthespresso.com. And by the way, Truth Espresso is now a member podcast of the growing family of the Christian podcast community. Check out other faith-building shows at christianpodcastcommunity.org, hosted by Striving for Eternity Ministries. Listening to the Patriot Pastors Podcast, where we talk about today's issues from a pastor's perspective, as well as calling America back to the faith of our fathers. Without God, democracy will not and cannot long endure. We ever forget that we're one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. your host, Wade Lentz and Harold Smith. Thank you for joining us on the Patriot Pastor podcast today. I'm your co-host, Harold Smith. We have a real treat today. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you you 
Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Can you answer the following questions for your children or for the person to whom you are witnessing? Number one, is the New Testament reliable? Two, can you explain the Trinity to me? Three, how is Jesus both God and man? And a slew of other questions you will be able to answer if you get Andrew Rappaport's new book, What Do We Believe? It will help you a ton. Get your copy at whatdowebelievebook.com, whatdowebelievebook.com. All right, well, that is all we got for our episode today. Uh, I really do hope and pray it was useful and helpful for you to understand the questions people have out there and at least our way of responding to that. There's a lot of things that could be said. I'm sure there's a lot more depth to go into, uh, and maybe some of those questions sparked some questions of your own. Uh, let me know. You can always contact uh, me here at the podcast. I assume we'll have Anthony Russo come out and he will let you know how to follow us on social medias and and uh, just uh, leave, let us know what you think about what we talk about. Uh, if there's something we forgot, there's something we could have said better, we'd like to hear it. Well, with all of that, um, I don't have an awful lot more to say. Well, you know, I was going to uh, add this. T- to me, uh, the questions we talk through, they're kind of shallow and silly and dumb. I mean, that's my opinion. I'm welcome to it. You're welcome to yours. But they are important. I will not deny they're not important questions. And the reason they're important is because people don't know, but they want to know. And if you know the answer, you should tell them. <laughs> you know, they deserve respect in the answer. Uh, they shouldn't be, you know, browbeaten to try to give an earnest, honest answer that meets the need they're asking for, you know, based out of Scripture. And uh, hey, that's what we're trying to do here at Quest for Truth is uh, seek the truth and reality of Scripture and apply that to uh, worldviews, our own and those of other people. Well, with all that, uh, it's time to uh, turn off the lights and lock out the doors. So, hey, uh, here comes Anthony Russo to wrap it all up and tell you all how you can follow us on the social medias, call our voicemail, and everything like that that you want to know or are too afraid to ask. <laughs> but ask me anyway. Don't be afraid. Hey, take it away, Mr. Anthony. And thanks for listening, everybody. Visit life-truth.com where you can find all our shows. Leave a message or call our voicemail number at 401-753-4844. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash life truth page. Follow us on Twitter at HPNCast, capital H, capital P, capital N, capital C, A-S-T. Everything Nathan Caldwell does can be found at facebook.com forward slash protectors of the book. Music in the show is used by permission of Kevin Zerby at zerbinator.wordpress.com. May God richly bless you. May you find everything you need. And if you don't know Jesus, your greatest need is a savior. Thanks for listening.